To all of our absent-minded friends, do you have your drinks ready? If so, welcome and thank you for joining us here on the Green Hour with Dan and Jerry. I'm Jerry, and I'm editing together this for you right now. Uh, it's a retro episode, originally recorded in around mid-September 2011. I'm not sure what's on it because I haven't listened to it yet, so we're going to find out together. Right now, I'm sipping on my third glass of Pontelier, uh, Vieux Pontelier, and uh, I'm in a party mood, but being that I'm recording this in the midst of the 2020 pandemic, I'm in uh, this recording studio all by my lonely self. And so, as always, we encourage you to drink along with us, as long as you're not driving or operating heavy machinery, and uh, of course... Legal disclaimer, please be of legal drinking age. Anyway, but before we jump into this episode, I want to share some recent text messages we received from Pat. He says, Jerry, I hope you and your COVID test turns negative. Well, it did if you've been listening to the episodes. Dan and Jerry, I feel lucky I'm in a situation where I could work from home and get a paycheck. I don't take it for granted. That being said, I am working harder than ever than I ever did. And when I was in the office, you know, Pat, me too. (laughs) I'm finding I'm putting in more hours. Um, that whole, I can work in nothing but my underwear and still swill beer and cocktails all day thing just doesn't work for me. In fact, I make it a point to wear khakis and a collared shirt during the work week. What about you two? Well, uh, Dan is actually still going to his physical day job and when I'm working from home, I, especially lately, I've been putting on like, like my official work stuff. But sometimes I have to admit I'm in boxer shorts. Anyway, uh, the next message is from, there's no name, it was just a number. But the person says, I wanted to take a moment and thank you for the hours of entertainment you provide. I have to apologize. Uh, I left a review on Apple Podcasts while having too much to drink and ask questions instead of reviewing. Well, that's okay. I do that too. Uh, the only absinthe available in my area is Ordinaire and uh, Absente. So naturally, I have turned to absinthe.com. You know, I, me personally, I've never ordered from them, but I'm sorely tempted. So let's see. He goes on to say, he or she goes on to say, My original question was related to anything specific I should order there. Thank you both for your time and effort. Actually, after I first read this message, I did go out to absinthe.com and I looked it over and I have to hardly recommend any, any, anything by Jade. And my personal favorite is 1901. I just killed a bottle of it before I popped open this view Pontelier. So anyway, that is my recommendation. Unfortunately, Dan is not with us right now because he threw his back out and is not going to be recording this week. So that's why we have a retro episode. Anyway, without further ado, let's check out what the heck we were doing back in 2011 because I'm sure it was up to no good.
Welcome to another edition of A Slow Death in the Afternoon, the podcast. This is... This is... This is the guy who can't stop laughing and his friend Dan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that voice was. It either. started out like, uh, like the uh, old English butler and turned into... Uh, one of the guys from Clockwork Orange. I wasn't sure where you were going with that. <laughs> hey, as you usual. know, you know what I read that was I, I thought it was really interesting about Clockwork Orange. Um, that whole scene, or um, <clears throat> Malcolm and Dow's uh, singing, um, "I'm singing in the rain." Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> he ad libbed that. Really? Yeah, that wasn't in the script. He just started doing it, and they went with it. Oh my God! It was, that was that was. The I, most disturbing. Scene it was the that entire was movie. Real, I mean, you know, the the rape scene and everything was supposed to be there, but him singing and dancing around with the cane, he just started doing that, and, there, and I guess Kubrick was like, um, "We're going to keep that thought in." Wow, because they reused it later on in the film. Which, I know, which was perfect for uh, for the, for the part. <laughs> the, wow. the film is it's still haunting. Speaking yeah. of films that are haunting. But this one in a bad way. Uh oh. Is I um, have you ever seen the movie Sucker Punch? Yes, I, I have seen it. I'm curious to know what you thought about it. I thought it was um, beautifully photographed, but one of the most poor excuses for a film I've <laughs> ever seen. <laughs> I mean, it was visually stunning, and I never went and saw it in the theater. Yeah, me neither. But I'd always wanted to because for some reason in my mind, I thought it was something because the advertisements made me think it was something like Tank Girl. That, that's, you know, that's very funny that you say that because I felt the same way. And but then I'm watching the film and I'm or not the film, but like some of the previews and, and things like that. And I'm going, wait a minute. This looks kind of like a. Is it is it like the Matrix? Is it like a parallel universe? Is this like a, a whatever? I mean, I don't want to spoil the film. Uh, oh, well, I'll actually, go ahead and spoil it because I'm yeah. pissed off. I'm yeah, pissed I, off I, I, I was very film. pissed off as well at the end because I, I I rented it on iTunes and I watched it and it it is absolutely beautifully filmed and put together. Yes, much in the same vein as Three Hundred. Yeah, which I still haven't seen. But what I, you I haven't think, seen three hundred? No, I haven't seen three hundred yet. It's oh my god! It's on my watch list. You have? Oh, I wish you would have seen it before three hundred. Oh, or I wish you would have seen three hundred before that. Why? Um, oh, but now I have something to look forward to. Yeah, that is true. I suppose, but you would have you would have caught a lot of the similarities. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it sucked as a as a film. But 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 what? Bugs me. I mean, I can't since I think it because it's so visually stunning. I can't get the movie out of my mind. But the story pisses me. I mean, at first I was like, well, that was a downer. And then like the next day I was like, man, that that story really sucked. And then by the second day, I'm like, I'm really pissed off at that 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 story. And by the third day, I'm like, I hate that story. (laughs) It was like in, increasing, uh, increasing aggravation. It is. It's like, okay, here you have, I mean, what basically it was like a video game. And from what I read, it makes sense because the guy who produced it is produces video games. Oh, okay. Which explains a lot because the sequences throughout it don't really make sense, uh, but they're an excellent video game. 
Right, right. Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. I mean, that probably would have been a great video game instead of a film. But the the story, which should have been, well, I can't tell what it should have been because it's his movie, but the way I would have written it would have been more of a kick-ass tank girl type thing. Right. No, this was a downer at the beginning. It was kind of chasing its tail all the way through, and then it was a horrible downer at the end. Yes. It's like, you know, two of the girls get some, just... He just shoots them. Boom, boom, they're dead. One gets stabbed. The one I like the best gets stabbed first. Right. And then the hero of the story gets a lobotomy. I know. Oh, that's that's really fun. Yeah, it... Uh, I, I it, want my time back. Yay. Sorry. <laughs> Sadly, iTunes does not refund time spent. I want Wouldn't that, that part be interesting? Life back. Wouldn't that be interesting if you could actually uh, get a refund for time spent? I think so. I mean, I would be back charging doctors. I I'd show up. <laughs> I better turn this off. I'm getting Facebook things. Um, you, you go to a doctor's office and you're there on time, right? And then right. you still have to wait an hour and a half before you see him. Right. That's bullshit. Oh yeah, it ain't right. I mean, let's be serious. The, uh, the if you're an hour and a half late for them, what happens? Oh. You might as well just go home because they've already billed your insurance and I know. sent you a note saying thank you for playing. I liked your tweet. I don't mind drinking 1% milk as long as the other 99% is some combination of vodka and <laughs> <laughs> I stole that from a friend. Uh, uh, one I stole from one of your friends is just say no to negative thinking. Oh, yes. That was, uh, that was my friend Jim. It was great. Old Volkswagen guy. Oh, oh, um, I got something. It happened on my way home, and it's very relevant to us. <laughs> did did uh, the universe send you back to Benny's? No, no, no. I wish it was that. Um, I have this. Where was I? Oh, I was driving home, and I get stuck in traffic. And this morning, I'd gotten a package from um, uh, an author in Australia uh, by the name of Jane Watson. Uh, who I've met on Second Life. And so we've exchanged books. I sent her a copy of mine autographed, and she sent me a copy of hers. And so um, I'm sitting there basically not moving, and so I decide, oh, hey, I'll open this up. And I open it up and pull it out, and along comes a spider with it. No! spider, and it is alive. Oh, my gosh. Dude. (laughs) And it drops on my lap. And so... (laughs) It's 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 not that big and it didn't look particularly you know worrisome. It was about the size of my f- fingernail. But it doesn't matter. It's still got eight legs and fangs. And and it's from Australia. I don't know if it's poisonous. I don't know Australian spiders. I just know that. Who who sent that to you? Uh, Jane Watson, the the author. I, I she didn't do it on purpose. I'm sure. You don't know the. No, she might be listening to our podcast and I know understand her, the whole I thing know, about these spiders. I, okay, I don't know her really well, but I know her well enough to say she would not have purposely sent me a spider. It just happened to be on the book or something, because she's probably got a stack of them. She pulled it off and stuck it in an envelope, right? The spider was probably attached to it somewhere. I don't know. Anytime you get a, a, a spider in the mail, is almost like an act of terrorism. Have you, have you ever gotten a spider in the mail? No. <laughs> I was, for one thing, it was kind of shocking that it had survived. Um, what the hell? What, what the hell? You got, <laughs> what is going on out there? It sounds like you're in the low, middle of uh, World War II. Low-flying aircraft. 
Jeez. I was getting one of those uh, those realities breaking through from uh, Sucker Punch. Good heavens. <laughs> Zeppelins and robots. Um, one thing that I did like about uh, Sucker Punch is the steam-powered um, zombies. Yeah, I mean, the the whole steampunk thing that they had going on in there it was, was awesome great. If they could only have stuck with something like that. Yes. Sadly, and, it uh, it missed the mark, I think. It did. And, and so... Um, I, the spider drops on my lap. Uh, somehow I had the presence of mind. I threw the car into park, put the book down on the seat, opened the door, got out of the car and danced around in traffic. <laughs> my pants. <laughs> well, yeah, two things. One, when I was entertainment to all the cars around me. Well, yeah, car. there's, there's always that. Uh, I was going to say, number one, uh, I'm glad you didn't get bit. And number two, you may have just introduced a horribly dangerous spider into our ecosystem. That's true, but there, as far as I know, there was only one. Well, it could be self-reproducing. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen too many alien films. I know what happens. Arachnophobia 2, oh. Invasion of Chicago. Good God. I have a report. This just in. You just you saw Absinthe, I the saw show. Absent the show. I, you, you know, you remember from, uh, what was it, two podcasts ago, I think? Yeah. That I was uh, very sad that I could not score free tickets uh-huh. um, for the show. And so, you know, we went there and we, uh, over Memorial Day, or is it Labor Day? Labor Day would be Labor, Labor, Day. Labor Day. So we're walking around. We go over to uh, Caesar's Palace and the forum shops and we sit and have a, a cigar and a mojito over at uh, Casa Fuente, which is... Uh, the Fuente family's cigar shop slash bar, which is mm-hmm. the most amazing place in the world. Oh, okay. Phenomenal. If you ever get a chance, I highly recommend you go to Casa Fuente. Great cigars, great uh, mojitos, and some of the most uh, beautiful uh, uh, cocktail waitresses like I've ever seen anywhere in, <laughs> in the history of the world. Like, no kidding. Like, even uh, my wife was going, my God, she's beautiful. It was, it was just that. And then uh, turning around and hitting you. Yeah, and then smacked me. I said, yeah, she is. What are you looking for? <laughs> well, on that note, though, uh, one of the funnest things that we did, we were staying at the Flamingo Hotel. Uh, mm-hmm. A friend whose father is a high roller got uh, comped rooms for us, which was fun. Oh, awesome. And so we're sitting in the, uh, oh, what was it, the garden uh, lounge. It's kind of a a bar right there by the staircase. Mm-hmm. And so it had these, this stair and this little tiny stage and we're sitting there is about uh, nine o'clock at night and we're just having a drink and relaxing and talking and laughing. And the DJ comes up and he goes, Hey, I just want to let you know, it could get a little bit loud and, and you're going to have a, a go-go dancer right up here next to you. And we're going, Oh, okay, whatever, you know, so that's fine. So this go-go dancer gets up there and we're watching, uh, Watching her dance a little bit and talking. I mean, yeah, not really, you know, ogling um, the dancer. But I started watching the the people who were going by, mm-hmm. looking at her. And because they were right next to like a a, a dual level staircase, mm-hmm. I was watching to see some drunk uh, guy staring at her and totally fall down the stairs. I was so <laughs> waiting for that. It never happened, but we had oh, the best darn. time watching like. It was a great social experiment because, and I discovered a couple things. One, um, girls will stare at go-go dancers five to six times longer than a single guy will. Oh, 
Well, probably because they're picking up pointers. I think so. I think it's it's either it's either one they're envious, uh, two they're in awe, like looking at them and saying, "Wow, uh, why can't I be doing that?" Or three they're uh, totally disgusted. Which we saw this old lady went by. She had the best disgusted, oh my god, pinched bird look I've ever seen in my life. She was like <laughs> staring at her with her mouth open. You could just see her mouth the words, "Oh, this is shocking." <laughs> oh. And uh, make a great mask. Oh, it would. I mean, totally. It was kind of like uh, the Otis mask. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was. Um, it was pretty amazing uh, to watch. You know, watch all these people. I mean, guys with girlfriends would like take a little quick, uh, quick pick, but their girlfriends would sit and turn and look at them. Not oh, at no. not the guys, but at the uh, go-go dancer. It was one of the funnest uh, couple hours we spent. So anyway, a long story short, went and saw Blue Man. It was phenomenal. But Sunday night, last night, we're there. Uh, Wait a minute, I'm jumping ahead of myself. So we go to the box office over by uh, Caesar's Palace, right? Mm-hmm. Or Absinthe is. It's in this kind of, it's out front of Caesar's Palace in this sort of cordoned off area. And they have this giant old wooden circus tent mm-hmm. from the early 1800s that they refurbished. Awesome. And uh, yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous. So we're looking at the thing and I'm looking, I was telling my wife, you know, yeah, I tried to get tickets for us, but they wouldn't kick down and kind of bummed and and she goes well why don't you just buy tickets for it it's only like it's only 69 bucks i'm going say yeah, 69 bucks you know but i could have gotten for free and i was lamenting going back and forth she goes she goes just buy the tickets let's buy the tickets and go see it, it looks like it might be fun so i'm getting ready to buy the tickets and there's this guy walking around he goes with a big sign on his head that says uh 20 off absinthe tickets oh so i run up to him i go hey dude what's the deal he goes here take these and it just says $20 off uh, absinthe tickets. So I got tickets for 49 bucks. Oh, cool. Which is cheap. And so we buy buy the tickets for uh, my wife and our friend who's with us. And so then Sunday night comes around, and uh, I'm very excited, obviously. It's like I'm, I'm like a kid in a candy store. So we get there an hour early. The place ain't even open yet. So we decide to go walk <laughs> around. We walk around, and then we come back out, and we're standing in line because the line had already started. And um, I go, well, you know, we can't see absinthe unless we drink some absinthe so i go up to the outdoor bar and i said by any chance do you guys have any absinthe here and he goes well of course we have absinthe uh, the show's sponsored by lucid and i go <laughs> i go well do, i go do you have any real absinthe <laughs> yeah I, I know i was trying to be nice i was trying to be nice i said well i go uh lucid not my all-time favorite absinthe i said but uh when in rome or caesar's palace Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, do do as they do. And I said, yeah, give me give me three, uh, three Lucids. Dear future listeners, uh, back in 2011, Lucid was not that great. But in, in 2019, it's pretty darn good. And so please ignore any Lucid bashing you're going to hear in this episode because it's no longer true. And he goes, so we started talking. He goes, so you, uh, you'd really enjoy this stuff, right? I said, yeah, I really I do. I've been drinking it for a long, long time. And we started talking about different things. And he goes, so you're a real, a real absinthe drinker, not like these people just want to try it out. And I said, yeah, I've been trying to get it legalized. And he says, well, I'm going to make you some extra special absinthe. Oh. So he, uh, he did this in a way I'd never seen before. But I guess in an uh, outdoor bar setting, it makes sense. He poured... Uh, the absinthe in a shaker with mm-hmm. ice, mm-hmm. poured in a little bit of simple syrup, 
and a little bit of water and shook it up and then poured it kind of martini style into our glasses. It sounds good. It, it actually was. It actually, um, I mean, you know, uh, you know, well, we've had this discussion before that I am not really a big lucid fan, but they, the simple syrup uh, was the hot ticket. I'm telling you, I would be willing to buy uh, a bottle of Lucid as long as I had some simple syrup in the house. I wouldn't because it's the same price as, as better ones. Yes, well, there's that. <laughs> but if it's the only one available, which in yes. many cases it is. It was. And you know what? Uh, he made it super strong. I actually had to go back and get some, uh, get a little thing of water for uh, my wife and our friend because they were going. I can't <laughs> Gaggins. Yeah, they were going. It's. It's like there's like two eyedroppers of water in it. So, <laughs> and he was so cool. He goes, you know what? You're a good guy. Here, let me give you a gift. And he gave me a uh, a lucid uh, absinthe spoon. Oh, cool! It was kind of fun. Very cool. So we drank that, and we're standing in line. And um, so these uh, two kids come out, I, and I say kids like they're twenty one, twenty two. One's this uh, uh, this this young gal and and her friend, and they're standing by this phone booth, and. I guess it's the VIP entrance. Uh-huh. You could pay 99 bucks to get in early and get a drink ticket or something like that. But, uh-huh. but um, I guess you go in the phone booth and you have to pick up the receiver and say the magic word. And they open a door and let you through the phone booth. <laughs> cool. And she, this girl, but she's got, she's telling people what the secret password is. Uh-huh. And there's really no secret password. It's like, she just gets them to say just like really disgusting things. <laughs> <laughs> like like this one guy gets in the booth and he goes, what what am I supposed to say? And she goes, pick up the receiver and say, I've got a really small penis. <laughs> and he looks at her and she's just sitting there looking like totally straight face like that's the magic word. So he picks it up and he goes, I have a, a, a really small penis. And the door opens and he goes in. <laughs> Next lady comes up and, and she goes, okay, what, what, uh, what am I supposed to say? And she goes, you're supposed to say, I bought these tits. <laughs> every person who came in was something horribly different and degrading she was absolutely amazing so much fun um uh we had the best time sitting and talking with her um she was seriously one of the funniest funniest people i mean we we sat and talked to her for probably 45 minutes and she was just big fun so, so she was like better than the show i bet in uh no you know what uh ironically you would think that uh, that was the highlight but uh that the Absence Show, my friend, mm-hmm. I would say is in the top ten shows I've ever seen. Oh, awesome. Ever. I'm not even kidding you, Jerry. I was so expecting it to be um, cheesy and hokey and, you know, just kind of whatever. Yeah. You know? yeah. Based on based on the, uh, the videos that we saw on YouTube. But, oh, my God. I have never it, – it really takes a lot to make me laugh, like out loud to the mm-hmm. point where I can't stop laughing. I was crying. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> That's good. Oh, it was amazing. They they have this uh, the guy, the gazillionaire, who is the kind of sleazy uh, host of the show, and his sidekick Penny, who's this little tiny, cute little girl who doesn't look like you, you know she's like in her late twenties, but she doesn't look more like she's thirteen or something. <laughs> coming out and just jailbait seriously, and coming out and just telling these stories with these hand puppets, and they. They just keep getting more and more graphically sexual and more, <laughs> more descriptive, and it's like, and it's just you're just dying because she's saying in this little squeaky girl voice. It's uh, 
Yeah, you just have to hear it because it's uh, it is on YouTube. If you type in uh, Penny Absinthe, uh, you'll get her monologue. It's just okay. And his name was Sasha. Sasha. And she was checking him out. <clears throat> That's him right there. Uh, no, no, the puppet. The puppet. <laughs> Idiots. Um, so she, she was checking him out, and all of a sudden he started checking her out. And they were doing this thing where they were checking each other out. And then they started, like, walking to each other, but it was in this, like, weird slow-motion 80s walk where everything was out of focus for no reason, and, like, Tears for Fears was playing in the background. And he was like, oh, uh, me, excuse me, but you have the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And she said, wait a minute, were you supposed to be Russian? <laughs> Yes, but I cannot do a Russian accent, and this awful French one is the only one that I can do, so... Sacre uh, bleu! And she's like, oh, that's fucking fine, it doesn't matter what you say, you guys are all the same anyway. So, they started, like, uh, their, their lips were like magnets, and they had to, and they did, they kissed, and it was so beautiful, it was like an explosion, like, from a penis or something, and they looked at each other, and she said, oh, Sasha, even though your name is pretty faggy, I, I feel like, I feel like I, I want to give you what I mean. And he's like, um, you stole it, Shania. And she's like, I'm going to show you something I learned a long time ago. And then she totally started giving a PJ. Right there, she's just like gobbling a dick, like straight up to the back of the throat and shit. And he's like, oh, Penny, I didn't know your mouth was so big. My calculations were incorrect. Oh my god. Right. Yeah, I don't know if I'd link it or not, just because uh, it's pretty, pretty rough for uh, younger viewers. But they had acrobats. I mean, they had uh, just some of the most amazing uh, Cirque du Soleil type acrobatics and uh, burlesque singer the, that they called the Green Fairy, who came down and sang some songs and stripped a little bit. I mean, it, well, there was Did no dude in a in a bubble. Was that? Yeah, the, that was yeah. actually that wasn't the Green Fairy. That was this other chick. Oh, okay. Uh, David Hasselhoff's girlfriend, I guess. Oh, okay. Talked about her before. Yeah, she did that. And that was really just an excuse for her to strip down to pasties and a thong and get inside the balloon and bounce around. <laughs> but, I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> but it was great. I, honestly, the 90 minutes went by so freaking fast, Jerry. It was uh, it, it was amazing. It was one of the best shows I've I've seen. And I, and I don't say that lightly. Oh, okay. So it would have been worth full price. I would have paid full price for that show. Okay. Well, there you go. There's an endorsement for the uh, Absinthe show in Las Vegas right now. Yeah. Uh, so if you if you are going to Las Vegas, if you've uh, never been to Las Vegas, this is a good reason to go. Just for that show. It's it's definitely worth uh, the hour and a half uh, you would go. And then if you go get them at Caesars Palace uh, outside in that uh, little quad area, you'll save 20 bucks. So even at a even full price, it's a bargain. So that's my yeah. report. And, and go into the phone booth and say whatever vile thing that the the um, uh, cute girl tells you to. Yes, that's true. But you have to pay. Uh, that's a, a ninety nine dollar ticket, so minus twenty off that. Oh. Yeah, that's get you in and get you a free drink ticket. Oh, so you you just uh, stood there and talked to her. You didn't go yeah, to the food, phone booth. No, sadly, I did not go in the. Uh, yeah, what sounds like you had enough fun just standing there talking to her. Oh my God, it was uh, it was amazing. Um. Here's here's some breaking news. We have a question. Oh, from who? Who has questioned uh, us? Melanie on Twitter asks us, is corporate America a soul-eating machine or just your average ring of hell? Wow. Wow. You want to field that one? I think I'd I'd have to drink about two more absences. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, I think uh, I think it uh, I think it is a soul leading machine. Uh, I've, I've worked for corporate America, and um, my personal experience is they really don't give a rat's uh, patootie about you as a person. It's really all about the numbers, and if uh, that, the numbers aren't there. That's true. But, you know, I was going to say, well, I work for corporate America, but, you know, really, I don't. I work for corporate Finlandia. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, they do things different over there. They do. They actually care about you. I, I have a, I get a pension. You don't get that from America anymore. Wow. Not, with, not without a union. You get a pension? Yeah. Wow, that's exciting. And I'm already vested. Oh, by the way, the, the girl's name that we were hanging out in line with, her name is Monica. Monica. I'm not going to say her last name. No, just, probably not a good idea. Just to protect the innocent, but... Uh, it doesn't sound like she's too innocent. No, she's very funny, though. I, I, I wonder if she does stand-up on the side or something. You know, I told her that. I said, you really should be a stand-up comedian because you're very funny. You're very quick. Uh, she is uh, actually doing uh, communication at Las Vegas University. Oh, well. And she's just uh, cute as a button and really nice. I mean, if... Uh, and I told her we'd uh, we'd be talking about her on our podcast. And so she's going to be listening. Yeah, I hope so. Well, yeah. So that's my report from Vegas. Uh, I won a I won a hundred bucks on the penny slots and oh uh, yeah, enjoyed life. That's all I got. Hundred dollars in pennies. I know. Thank goodness they don't uh, skew out <laughs> coins anymore. <laughs> Could you imagine? I won ten thousand dollars in pennies, and uh, I needed a dump truck to take them home. Here's another one from Melanie on on Twitter. Things you don't expect to hear about your plush booze fairies, huh? So he's circumcised. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, she she made us that uh, the absinthe fairy. Oh right, 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 right. Uh, she she she's doing this kind of as a as a half hobby, half job now, and uh, so she's making uh, fairies for all sorts of different kinds of booze. There's like a tequila fairy, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they're only $40 and they're handmade. And, uh, I, I would, I don't know if she'd want us to pimp them or not because she's already got so many orders. She can't possibly do them all. Wow. Yeah. That's so, pretty crazy. I know. Oh, well, hey, she, we, ju- we just got a, another question and on Twitter. Okay. Uh, uh, my good friend, uh, Sandrad or Sandra D as she sometimes likes to be called. She has two questions. One, is it okay for absinthe to be the love of my life? No. It's not okay? No, it should be the augmentation of the love of your life. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I like that. Okay, we'll go with that. And question two, where did I leave my keys? <laughs> um, that's that's what happens after absinthe is the love of your life. Check the very bottom of your purse. Oh, that's a good point. Well, one thing I have learned um, in, in dealing with the, the, the female of our species... Yes. Besides the fact that they are the better half of us. Yes. Um, if they look through their purse for something and they can't find it, it does not mean it isn't in the purse. Until you absolutely empty the purse and look through every single pocket, it's no, usually there. True. It's that usually is there. That's absolutely true. That is that is one. Of I don't the know how many times <laughs> it it has turned out to be there after all. Even after weeks. Oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, is there like some sort of like alternative universe inside the purse? I, I think it's it's the origin of the bag of holding from the D&D game. <laughs> Dude, I think you're right. It's like, honestly, like my wife will like 
we'll be driving somewhere and I'll say, you know, uh, do we happen to have like an acetylene torch anywhere? Oh yeah, right here. Hold on. <laughs> and she'll pull one out of her purse. I'm going, my God, yeah. Felix, what's, what the hell's in the bag? It's a, <laughs> dun, dun. thank you. It's uh it's a portable tortoise with a strap. Oh my gosh. As opposed to a portable tortoise with yeah. a strap. So I don't think a tortoise is bigger inside than outside. No. Or I don't want to get maybe. inside one to find out. I know. Who knows? Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Until you kill it. <laughs> Which then you go to jail because they're protected. Um, I have a horror story in podcast form that I entered in a contest called the masters of macabre at horror And that is going to be airing on the 15th with this should be out by then September 15th. And I'll give everybody the link. So they go listen. You know, they like mine. They could vote on me, but I have a feeling I'm going to lose my landslide because I'm not really a horror horror writer. Mine is probably going to be kind of tame in the horror department. It's more of a science fiction comedy. Yeah. But um, but it does involve a giant penis with rocket fins. <laughs> Why does it sound like Flesh Gordon? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, did, I forgot to reference Flesh Gordon. No, no. Flesh Gordon had a penosaurus. Oh, that's right. The that's Penosaurus Rex. Yeah. Uh, the, the giant... Uh, penis rocket ship is actually I, I stole that and and I and I also mentioned it in the book or the the story um, that's from Kurt Vonnegut's story The Big Space Fuck, <laughs> which um, I've never never read that story, <laughs> uh, oddly I think I think it was in one of Harlan Nelson's uh, anthologies called uh, Dangerous Visions. It's either in uh, Dangerous Visions or, again, Dangerous Visions. But it has the distinction, or at least according to the anthology, of being the first story in English to have the word fuck in the title. Wow, I did not know that. Or or at least the the first story that's not porn. Right. (laughs) Wow. uh, 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 I went over to... uh Uh, you know, I, I told you that I had gone to the bar next to the Fox Theater in Pomona, and they had uh, they had absinthe there. Yeah. Did I, did I tell you that? I think I yeah. did a long I, time I, ago. Yeah. Uh, I went back because I had totally spaced out and forgotten that I had talked to them about uh, hosting an absinthe night there. Oh. And uh, I went back, and she remembered who I was, and she said, yeah, yeah, uh, here's the guy you need to call, uh, who is the owner of the of the bar so i'm gonna set up uh, an absinthe night here either i'm thinking of either doing it like right around uh halloween so that i can uh get enough you know get enough word out on the street and do something really cool like maybe the wednesday night before halloween or something like that and do uh uh have uh uh either i'll either show uh i've got a copy of that old black and white film called absinthe with Glenn White. I don't uh-huh. know if you've ever seen it. No, I don't think so. It's really great. Great old uh, cautionary tale of why <laughs> you should not awesome. drink absinthe. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be so much fun. And then I figured that'd be a great way to kick off the uh, Southern California Absinthe Society. Oh, so you're you're gonna, like going to form it and everything, huh? I am. I'm going to I'm going to make it happen because I, there's nothing else out there, and I think that. Uh, did did we, you announce it out on Meetup? 
Not yet. No, that's why I want to get. I want to make sure I can use the place first. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Wednesday nights are their deadest nights, so okay. that'll be perfect. We do like a green hour kind of thing from like seven to nine or. or I like it a green hour. Yeah, because uh, that's what they used to call it back in the day. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, that was the whole uh, the whole deal. Instead of happy hour, they had green hour where uh, you'd go down to the. Uh, uh, the uh, Parisian cafes and oh, dude, give give Lucid a call. Maybe they'll send out a um, a, a ferry with some uh, samples. They, you know what? They just might. I bet they would. I'm sure they would. Not after listening to us bash them <laughs> on our podcast, but they might. Who knows? Well, ask ask them for Jade then, because they're selling it in the states now. There you go. I'll have them bring Jade. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll tell them I'm sorry for anything that I might have said to upset them. In the past. <laughs> I'll just say we love Jade. We hate Lucid. Right. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? After, I, I have to say, after my adventure at uh, Absinthe Las Vegas, I, I have a new um, a new impression of how to prepare um, Lucid. I'll try that. I'll yeah. I'll a try. I'm telling you, dude, it uh, a little simple syrup over ice and then just just enough water to get it to louche. And it's got a really strong flavor, but that extra sweetness does something to the, uh, to well, the mix. I do remember that Lucid tasted just perfect with um, Mountain Dew. It made a good absinthe dude. Mm. In fact, it was probably really good because the, the flavor is so strong. Ah, because, you know, it did, what I didn't like about it is it's kind of on the harsh side. Right. But if you right. have a lot of sugar, it tones it down. And and with the citrus and everything. So that is correct. I'll, I'll endorse it with uh, with Mountain Dew. I'm sure Mountain Dew would be thrilled. Yeah. And Lucia is really good with Mountain Dew, by the way. Well, and see, this is the thing. Once again, even at uh, the show, uh, the Absence show in Las Vegas, uh-huh. I honestly think they missed the boat. They They should have had some guy out there. Like in a, um, you know, 1930s or 40s kind of a carnival barker kind of deal. Oh, yeah, and show everybody how to do it properly. Show everyone how to do it. Talk about how cool it is. Talk about the greatness of it. It's like, because when I got the stuff mixed and walked back over in line and uh, we all toasted and the people behind me go, hey, what are you drinking? And I go, it's absinthe. And they go, what? (laughs) And it's like, hello. uh, You're going to a show. Yeah, you're. You're going to a show called Absinthe. Uh, it's like, did, did you not do your homework? Did you not do you not know anything about uh, current events? So I was very, uh, I was very bemused, and so I, much to my wife's chagrin, of course, I start on this big tirade about, you know, uh, a ten-minute history lesson, and like by the time I'm done, I've got fifteen people standing around me, like listening to me uh, go off on Absinthe, and so then a few of them actually went over and bought some. So. Um, well, there yeah. you go. You know what? Um, you might be able to work this into a, uh, the marketing department of some uh, distillery. I'm telling you, they're they're missing the boat. It's uh, absinthe people. No one's going to drink it if they don't know what it is, or at least uh, go out and, um, you know, do try. community outreach. <laughs> <laughs> it's like community service. <laughs> I like that. Oh my gosh! Let me write that down. Community outreach for absent. Community outreach for absent. I think that should be part of uh, like any judicial uh, sentence. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we got a uh, another question in. Okay. On Twitter, um, 
from my good friend Allison out in uh, Philadelphia. Oh, not uh, the Allison I'm thinking of then. No, no, no. Different. Which uh, that Allison? Before I get to your question, Allison, let me talk about this other Allison. Uh, she should be listening to this podcast, by the way. She was. Uh, I had. Uh, Facebooked her and asked if she was going to be around because I wanted to meet up with her and have her meet my wife and sit and reconnect because I haven't seen her in like a million years and of I course know. it's the one weekend she's out of town. Yeah, so it's very sad. But we're gonna we're gonna definitely hook up uh, the next time we go out. So for sure. So it was oh, really that's, that's cool. Yeah, it was really nice to. Uh, I I would say tell her hi from you. But I I'm pretty sure she has no idea who I am. She might. I don't know. Did you did you guys you didn't run in the same circles? Did you? Not not really. Uh, I I. Remember back then I was in camp. Oh, God, I said the name. I'm going to bleep it. Beep. (laughs) Beep. Oh, good Lord. Uh, Yeah, I was on team. The name that shall not be mentioned. I was on team, not team Allison. And I remember there was quite a bit of uh, animosity between at least, I don't know, between the two or just from. There ever was. Or just from the side. Well, yeah, but. She was. She was. she, She had the claws out. Yeah, she was animosity towards everybody. No, Do you want me to cut this whole part out? <laughs> no, that's totally fine. It's very okay. funny. Because we'll talk to Allison about it. She'll she can lend some clarity. I don't think I I don't even know if she ever met uh she shall so <laughs> I can't even talk. I'm not even drinking absinthe and I can't even talk. Uh she who shall remain nameless. I don't know if they ever met. Oh, oh. So so Yeah. She, uh, <laughs> only knew her by reputation, huh? By proxy, I guess. Uh, okay. Cause I, she it, met her, you know, cause we worked, I worked at the theater and I know, uh, was there as well. Or see, I, <laughs> I, I got to bleep that, that out. Bleep well, anyway, I don't know if they met. Well, I'll find out from, uh, from Allison. She'll probably, uh, uh, Facebook me after this podcast and uh, let me know because she said she'd be listening because she wanted to hear the review of Absinthe. Oh, okay. Because she lives in Vegas and has not gone and seen it. So anyway, back to our question from uh, my other good friend, Allison, in Philadelphia. She says, uh, if Absinthe burns a hole in your paper cup, can you imagine what it does to your insides? doesn't burn a hole in a paper cup. Yes, it actually does. It uh, does? Here, here's, there, there's a story behind that quote. Uh, when uh, the first, gosh, it was like the w- less than the first year that I was with uh, uh, Deal News, uh-huh. we uh, we went on this uh, big company party for our 13th anniversary out to the Black Hills of Tennessee or the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. Uh-huh. And so I brought along a bottle of Mansinth. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because everybody at work knew I was into absinthe and a lot of people had questions, didn't know. And only only one of my friends there, uh, Jeff, my uh, uh, not the writer, but the other Jeff, who's the, mm-hmm. the uh, food and beverage uh, guru. Like he should have his own nine hundred number or something to call. And uh, like, if you have a restaurant you want to know in like Zimbabwe, he could probably tell you where to go. Um, so I brought a ball of Mansinth, and and we didn't have any cups, like plastic cups or anything. All we had was paper cups. And so I'm mixing all these drinks for people. I mean, we we blasted through the whole bottle. Um, you know, making making drinks for everyone. And the man synth was eating through the the <laughs> adhesive, holding the paper cup together. Oh, okay. well, okay, I can see that. Yeah, uh, well, alcohol is a uh, solvent. I so. didn't know. 
and, and so like and so uh my friend Allison is standing next to this other guy uh Mike who uh, works at the company and he's got this southern accent and he says if that stuff burns a hole in your paper cup can you imagine what it does to your insides <laughs> so that's always been the big uh oh, okay. the, well, whenever I bring up absence so so uh Yes, I can imagine what it does to your insides, but by the time uh, it's doing anything to your insides, Allison, no, you don't care. Kind of like watermelon sujo. Wait, stop. Hold on. Wait. Okay. Compared to what is already in your stomach, it's nothing. Because if you took the acid that was in your stomach and you dropped it on a piece of metal, it would eat right through it. Really? <laughs> yeah. Would it really? Your stomach acid would just laugh at the absinthe. <laughs> We've done this before. We were, we were talking about Pepsi or something and how oh. it will eat a nail. Right. But you, if you put a nail in the, the, the acid that your stomach produces and is in there, it would just like, well, it's it's really powerful acid. I mean, it's, you look how what it does to the food. It, how, can you, how can you get it out of your stomach to test it? Throw up. So if I throw up on steel, it'd be like <laughs> the alien bleeding and it would like eat right through? Yeah, it would. No, it would not. Have you ever thrown up on a car hood? Yeah, it, but the paint yeah, shoot goes. Yeah, it into the paint. But it doesn't <laughs> eat through the hood. Okay, I'm not saying it'll eat through it like the alien blood. Good Lord. But it's way, way more caustic than uh, anything that you're going to put in your mouth ever. All right. And survive. <laughs> All right, well, here's another question. Okay. <laughs> Did I take that too seriously? No, I, I'm just, I, I was just uh, sitting there thinking, I wonder if I went and threw up on my car hood and left it there for like three days, if I came back, would there be a hole in my hood? No, but there would be no paint. Well, that I know. You can do that with uh, bologna too, by the way. Did you know that? No, I didn't. If you went and got a pack of Oscar Mayer uh, bologna, like, and... People listening to this, this is only to be used if you're really, really pissed at someone and they have no idea where you live. <laughs> you can get back at someone by getting a pack of bologna and taking and just randomly tossing it onto the hood all over the paint of someone's car and let it sit overnight. And when they come out in the morning and they try to get rid of it, it will actually discolor the paint where it was. So they'll have all sorts of polka dots all over the car. <laughs> So, you didn't hear that from me. If anyone, if anyone uh, sends the police to this podcast, I will deny ever saying it and say it was uh, a <laughs> <Vince> quest. <laughs> Someone hijacked the podcast. It wasn't really me. Someone inserted that in. I don't know. It was, uh, uh, hey, we're, it was, as long as we're not telling someone to do it, we're just giving them information. Right. How it works, right? <laughs> yeah, we don't push anyone through the door. We merely open the door and show them the way. Yeah. Yes, no, come on here's in. the door. On the other side is purgatory. Yes. I'm not telling you to go through, but the door is open. Yes. Come to the dark side. We have cookies. <laughs> All right. So here's two more questions that I got uh, from Facebook, which people uh, – why is it people uh, aren't liking our Facebook page? I don't know. People, uh, well, we please we've go. We've a couple. Did we? Yeah. Oh. I'm not advertising it anymore. I can't afford it anymore. Oh, I know that. But, I mean, people should know just from listening to our podcast, you would think. I don't know. Maybe people uh, are just getting sick of Facebook. I know I am. I'm, I have not crossed over to the dark side of Google Plus yet. 
I'm tired of all social networks at this point. <laughs> I'm feeling antisocial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we need an antisocial network. Oh, dude, could you imagine? It won't let you add friends. It won't let you post anything. <laughs> oh, that would be brilliant. We need to come up with you, that. You could, you could log in and get an account, but it's only you. <laughs> sure, the only way you can't add anybody, you can't search for anybody. Here's my page. <laughs> Dude, that would it's, be... It's private. What would you call it? Uh, it would have to be something like... <laughs> Hermit. Um, or um, notebook. Or <laughs> I was thinking solitarium. <laughs> solitarium, I like that. The alternative uh, social networking page. No networking page. Yeah, it doesn't let you create links. Oh, that would be so funny. All you could do is save pictures. <laughs> you can post pictures, but no one gets to see them. Yeah, only you. Dude, that would be brilliant. I like it. Oh, all right. So whoever wants that idea, <laughs> uh, jump on that one. But here's our two questions. Uh, okay. Question number one from my good friend uh, Nathan Giles. Um. He says, how do I keep the absinthe acid burning holes, the absinthe acid, oh, the absinthe acid holes from burning through my chest as the fluid go down? Goes He's just down. call you an acid hole. <laughs> yeah, I think he might have. How do I keep the absinthe acid holes from burning through my chest as the fluid goes down? TM absinthe holes. <laughs> acid holes. Acid holes. Hey, acid hole. That's right. We were, uh, my car. We were <laughs> we were laughing uh, uh, today. We were talking about the possibility. I don't know if you heard about uh, uh, what was it AOL and Yahoo merging. No, um, I mean I've, I've heard that in the past. I it's a rumor. It's yeah. a rumor. But I had said that the only reason I'd like them to merge is just because I'd like to. I just like to be able to call them a Yahoo. <laughs> Moving on. So, uh, how do you keep the absinthe holes from burning through your chest? Well, that's uh, that's a great question because I think we already answered that. Because when you uh, drink the absinthe, the stomach acid uh, neutralizes. It beats it up. Yeah, pretty much. It, it uh, disarms and puts into a headlock said absinthe. Uh, so, it will not burn through your chest or your esophagus. Um, there you go. That, that answers that question. Yeah, so the absence comes down copying this attitude like I'm big and bad, and then turns out and looks up and sees the stomach acid's fist as it comes down to crush it. Yes. And that's in the lights out, man. Just that's like, uh, game over. That is the uh, alcoholic beverage uh, slapdown, if you will, that goes on in your insides. I and, love it. <laughs> that's great. The absinthe acid hole. <laughs> uh, you calling me an acid hole? <laughs> you call me an acid hole? What do you like, call me? Are you talking again? to me? Are you talking to me? Um, and the other question from my other good friend, uh, Phil Maurer, says mm -hmm. uh, juniper flavored vodka versus gin, which is better? What's the difference? I don't know. I don't even know what juniper flavored vodka is. Makes me want to go try it. Yeah, I know. I like gin, but it gives me a headache. Yeah, I can't. I can't drink gin. I I, it's, I think it's because I'm allergic to juniper. That could be it too. But I love gin and tonics. See, I, you and my friend Rich are like uh, brothers in that. I tried my darndest to enjoy um, 
a gin and tonic and I can't do it. It just, there's it was, just something about it. It was this weird thing. I was growing up, my, my parents always had it in the house and I don't want to go into the long story of why I was always in the bar when I was a kid, but I was, um, <laughs> but, uh, it was, uh, I, it, it was almost, it was always the most horrible taste I could ever possibly imagine putting that tonic water in my mouth. I was like, Ugh. and then one day I was in Berkeley and it was summer 1984 and my good friend Flex, he was drinking it and he made me one and I went, well, I don't really like him. And I took a sip and I loved it really? and I've loved it ever since. And I don't know. It was like a, a switch was flipped in my brain somewhere that wow. went, I hate it to I love it. And I, I don't have a, and the same exact thing happened to me with um, bell peppers when I was about 17, always hated them. They made me want to gag and then one day they were wonderful and I don't know, growing really? up, I guess. I don't know. Wow. See, that's so, that's so interesting to me because I had the same experience when I first started smoking cigars. The first cigar I smoked was a, uh, H Upman from Cuba and, uh, I, I smoked like two thirds of it and immediately threw up. Yeah. But that's uh, when normal, I finished, isn't it? <laughs> well, I guess so. Yeah. But when I was finished with it, I go, you know, I kind of like this, not the throwing up part, but. Uh, the the taste of the cigar uh, after before I upchucked uh, was really nice. I really really enjoyed it, and uh, that's what started uh, started my whole cigar smoking experience. I guess it's kind of like an acquired taste. I had I had three genuine Cuban cigars, and I'd been smoking other things like pipes and um, and cheap cigars and stuff. Right, and mainly. I, <sighs> I don't know, because I wanted to, because I thought, and, and I'm talking about in my 20s, I was thinking, you know, I'm a writer, I should be smoking a cigar or whatever. Then I get these, and they were just so smooth and so completely unlike anything I ever had, and then I never had them again because they're, of course, hard to get. Hmm. It, it was amazing. Well, you know what I'm finding out is that uh, much like anything in this day and age, um, you can get Cuban cigars at just about any cigar shop. Really? Yeah. You just have to, you just have to, um, get to know oh, the owner. Okay. And, um, well, I've, I've got one within walking distance of here. Do you really? Seriously? Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's been there for a long time and has well, like a very established clientele and it's, it almost, it seems very mafioso. Really? Yeah. Well, then here's what I here's what I would um, if I can give you some pointers, because you just don't want to walk in and say, "Hey, uh, where where are your Cuban cigars at?" No, I wouldn't, because it's illegal. Um, but if you get to know the guy and hang out with him and talk to him, you know, just go in a couple times, even if you're buying like cheap ass cigars, and start asking the guy questions like, "What's your favorite cigar? Why do you like this cigar?" I'm mean, kind of a you know mid range cigar smoker, and just start talking, and then. You know, and then just uh, start bringing up the subject of Cuban cigars. You can tell them you smoked a Cuban cigar once. It was really good, and you've been having trouble looking for them. And just start working in that. But I think over the course of two or three weeks, they'll probably say, uh, you know, we might just have a box of Cubans somewhere. Hmm. Which is what my, my personal experience, which is not to say I condone uh, importing any cigars over from Cuba. But uh, I'm just opening a door and saying, hey, if you go this way... <laughs> You may find something. 
<laughs> welcome, welcome to the alcohol and tobacco and firearms show. Uh, <laughs> Who are we I'll talking? be I'll be in the penitentiary if you need me. <laughs> Good heavens! Uh, information is free. It is. It's the internet for heaven's sakes. And and I mean, th- like this is such a big deal. I mean, honestly, uh, you can go on the internet and and find places that will uh, you know courier cigars to you. So, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's not like it's you know there I'm sure there's bigger things to be worried. Well, I mean, can't can't Cuban you cigars. buy Cuban cigars from Canada? Just like you can like Sure. Certain... You can buy you can buy them from uh Canada, you can buy them from Mexico. So I got mine from Mexico. And but the problem is <laughs> you buy them on the street from some guy and I uh, no, no, because those end up not really being from Cuba. <laughs> but um well anyway, I, let's I I I don't really remember much about it. We digress. Yeah. Oh, let's see. I mentioned this. I mentioned that. Oh, oh, I've got something, something else I need to bring up. Uh oh. After one of our last shows, it, one of uh, the the sparks in in Google Plus, you know, the the little news feed things, and oh, I've yes. got one watching for absinthe. Right. right, right, right. Pops an article uh, from a, a very talented uh, poet named Sandra Beasley, and she wrote this, um, a blog about um, slow death um, in, in the afternoon uh, cocktail and the origination of it and, and poetry and absinthe. So I, I left a message on her blog saying, hey, would you mind if, if, I, if I read this on the podcast because it's re- you know, relevant to our show? Oh, good. And um, not only did she say yes to that, but she actually read it for us. As an MP3 and included uh, a poem from another person that is very relevant to absinthe, and included that along with it. So really, so I'll be tacking that on uh, to the podcast. Wow! Uh, so now, at any at any point during the reading, does she say, "My name is Michael Kane"? <laughs> yeah, it happens right in the middle of it. Nice. <laughs> no. I like it already. She, I don't think she's ever listened to us, but she jumped yeah. at the chance of being included, which I think is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I, you know, and uh, to trust one's professional reputation on our show is, is, a, uh, is a, uh, an act of bravery on its own right. A leap of faith. Yes. Oh, that's very exciting. This is Sandra Beasley, author of two poetry collections, the most recent being I Was the Jukebox, winner of the Bernard Women Poets Prize, as well as a memoir, Don't Kill the Birthday Girl, Tales from an Allergic Life. You can find out more about my work by visiting www.sandrabeasley.com. I'm sharing a post from my blog, Chicks Dig Poetry, where I often talk about the adventures of being on book tour. This post is called Absinthe. On my most recent endless drive, I stopped off to buy a bottle of wine for the couple that would home host me that night. While up at the register, I saw a little basket of bottles of absinthe, or rather, absente, now with wormwood. I thought, hell, why not? Impulse buys under $10 are probably a bad idea when at a liquor store in Tennessee, but there you have it. So here I am, back at home in D.C., and readying for Hurricane Irene with bags to unpack, books to read, peaches to eat, and absinthe to drink. Here's my Vincent Van Gogh-inspired still life. The taste? 110-proof licorice. 
plus two varieties of food coloring, yellow number five and blue number one. Can't say I love it, much as I love fennel. I'm probably doing it a disservice by trying it straight. I've had enough Sazeracs in my day to know it could be an excellent sweet grace note to an otherwise merciless rye drink. Hemingway had one of the great absinthe recipes. Pour one jigger absinthe into a champagne glass. Add iced champagne until it attains the proper opalescent milkiness. Drink three to five of these slowly. He called it death in the afternoon. And this is what Oscar Wilde said of the drink. After the first glass of absinthe, you see things as you wish they were. After the second, you see things as they are not. Finally, you see things as they really are, and that is the most horrible thing in the world. Of course, absinthe is primarily known as a poet's vice. Jean-Nicolas Arthur Rimbaud and Paul-Marie Verlaine, two of the major symbolists, drank it like water, extremely corrosive water. The love story of Verlaine Young at 27, with a pregnant wife from a well-to-do family, and Rimbaud, younger still, still shy of 17, is an untamed tale that culminates in a gun going off, but not before one of the two had been slapped in the face by a fish. If you're curious about the whys and hows, I recommend the biography Rimbaud, which Graham Robb published with W.W. W. Norton in 2000. Here is a recording of the poet Christian Bach presenting and then translating Arthur Rimbaud's poem Vowels, which many believe to be a poem inspired by absinthe. Voyelle by Arthur Rimbaud. A noir, ou blanc, i rouge, ou vert, au bleu, voyelle. Je dirai quelques jours vos naissances les tantes. Ah, noir crossé velu des mousses éclatantes qui bombinent autour des pointures cruelles. Golfe d'ombre, eux, quand deux des vapeurs et des tentes lancent des glaciers fiers. Vowels, my translation of Voyelle by Arthur Rimbaud. A, black, E, white, I, red, U, green, O, blue, the vowels. I will tell thee one day of thy newborn portents. A, the black velvet cuirass of flies whose essence commingles a buzz around the cruelest of smells, wells of shadow. E, the whitewash of mists and tents, glaives of icebergs, albino kings, frostbit fennels. I, the bruises, the blood spat from lips of damsels, who must laugh in scorn or shame, both intoxicants. You, the waves, divine vibratos of verdant seas, pleasant meadows rich with venery, grins of ease which alchemy grants the visages of the wise. O, oh, the supreme trumpeter of our strange sonnet, quietudes crossed, by another world and spirit, O oh, the Omega, the violet ray gun of her eyes. Okay, okay. 
I confess, I may not be inspired to write a poem by this little bottle. I'd settle for being inspired to empty my suitcase. That was awesome. Oh, man. I liked it. That was great. Didn't you like it? We should have her on the show and do, um, uh, she could be like the, uh, the news girl. I don't think she would want to do that. No, I wouldn't. (laughs) You don't want to risk your (laughs) reputation on that. Once Uh, again. I, I just, I, you know, I, I've, I've written poetry laws, drinking absinthe, and uh, it, it really does unlock a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the creative, um, flow say and it you know and, and your brain makes connections that you wouldn't normally make and magic happens but i know you it magic can happen without it too i don't know where i'm going with this i don't know where you're going either, but, <laughs> but i like it i was uh, i was in awe i was just uh i was just sitting there listening to the pearls of wisdom well i i have a soft spot in my heart for for poets you know what I used to listen to? Uh, we used to go, which I I've, I was very excited uh, when I went to the Pomona Art Walk. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, you told me about. Or I mean, you tweeted about it. Yeah, I did. It it, uh, it was pretty amazing because one, uh, I used to go to this um, urban poetry night. Oh yeah, those are cool. They're fun. Oh my god, slams, dude! Brilliant, brilliant. And actually, I actually uh, one of the first times I was there, I actually got up and. Uh, actually did um a little freestyling oh do you still have it uh, you know i'm trying to get the video of it uh, because i can't remember what the hell i said but I, <laughs> I i was uh i was uh was i just married or were we dating uh with my wife and we went there to check it out and they said it's kind of open mic night and i go oh, i think i'll get up and do it and she looks at me horrified going what are you gonna do i go i don't know well i'll know when i get up there <laughs> and so I just busted out this whole thing about um, basically you're rapping kind of, but it was more like, uh, see, I thought it would be more like rapping, but it's mm-hmm. actually just, um, just poetry. It's like spoken word, I guess. Yeah. 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 And it's not really rapping. I mean, sometimes there are rap like elements to it, but it's mostly just syncopated poetry would be the best way I could uh, describe it. You know, um, a lot of rap, at least the one, the, the stuff that I like is, is very similar to fifties uh, beat poetry. And right. in fact, that one group that we've played two songs of, Oh, oh that's right. I, fe- I think I featured it. Um, he does a rap and, but the rap is almost like a beat. It was a mixture of rap and beat poetry. It was, it really showed how the two are, very closely related. Wow. And and I think there's a lot of poetry in rap. Yes. Definitely. Yes, I believe there is too. So let's do some shout outs and well, of course. wrap it up because we've been forgetting, or at least we didn't do one on the last one. Right. Because it was part two. <laughs> right. We, we shouted already before uh, part yeah, one. We, we pre-shouted. <laughs> I hate it when I do that. <laughs> I hate pre-shouting. Let me get to our, our page here. Oh, yes, please. Well, I would like to uh, give a shout-out uh, to, uh, of course, uh, my good friend Monica, my new friend Monica from Las Vegas. Ah, yes, Monica. So, thanks, Monica. She uh, is. I'm following her on Twitter, and she is following me on Twitter. So um, hopefully she'll uh, like our Facebook page, Slow Death in the Afternoon. 
Um, yeah. Uh, and of course, our uh, our very good friend Allison from Philadelphia. Thank you for writing in. My good friend Nathan and Phil for sending in questions. Um, your questions have been answered, so tune in uh, tomorrow. I would. Uh, will it be up tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, but it'll be now when they hear it. Oh. <laughs> this whole time thing just messes me up, man. Uh, don't forget, I, Jeff Gubby. Oh, I, Jeff Gubby, a loyal supporter. And my friend Melanie and our friend Patrick. Patrick, we love Patrick. Patrick actually had a great, uh, remember when I was uh, going off about the bees that are invading my backyard and how it's yeah, going yeah. to get all, uh, yeah, all diehard on them? He said, uh, call uh, the local beekeeper society. Yes. And so I have a call in to the beekeeping society to come out and get said bees out of my yeah. back. Please come get the bees. Because I don't want a bee in my bonnet. Oh, and um, let's see here. Oh, that that's actually from you. I love that you, you posted that uh, that video of that, um, that evil-looking praying mantis. Oh, dude. <laughs> but, yeah, that thing is horrible. But they're, those things are awesome. I'm sure they're great. They, they don't... Well, actually, they could fuck you up a little bit, but there's no poison involved. Well, dude, it, it, it looks like some sort of... Uh, it, it's, it looks like a ninja scorpion, doesn't it? <laughs> it just looks like I don't want it near me. That's all I'm going to uh, say. I used to keep them as pets. They're okay. Hey, I want to shout out to Steve Williams, who at least went out and liked one of our Facebook things. Oh, thanks, uh, Steve. I, I don't know who that is. Lori, of course. Lori. Lori, we haven't haven't heard from Lori in a while. Oh, she she did so. that uh, great graphic of the uh, the uh, lap giraffe. Uh, yeah, what you, uh, curling, 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 curling lap Drink. <laughs> Maybe that should be the slow death podcast game. Every time we mess up a word, <laughs> oh god, they'd be the drunk listeners have to drink. Minutes. Yeah, they'd, they'd be five minutes in, they'd be passed out. Ah, oh, uh, let's, uh, uh, foolery.typepad.com. That's Lori's, uh, website. It's hilarious. Yes. Foolery, foolery land. It's we fun. like, we like, uh, funny. Uh, shout out to my friend Tim. Mm-hmm. And Melanie, of course. Did we already say hi to Melanie? I think I said, but Melanie is worth mentioning twice. Sure. Melanie, love you. And, uh, don't forget to, uh, oh, if you like, if you like what you... My other friend, Pat. Oh, sorry. Who? Oh, my other friend, Pat, Pat Geik. I know oh. he listens. He doesn't comment a lot, but he listens. Well, thanks, Pat. So. Our good friend, uh, Jeff Sumaji, uh has uh, agreed to pick up the uh, um, challenge about writing the Christian vampire book. Oh, really? Yeah. He said uh, he thought it was a great idea. We, we actually... <laughs> We actually came up with some uh, some very funny titles for it today. Well, uh, let's let's refresh it just in case uh, listeners uh, didn't hear it on an earlier podcast. We came up with an idea, or actually a quandary: if a Christian, a devout Christian, is bit by a vampire, turns into a vampire. What what happens? What happens? And so, so a working title is uh, the Father, Son, and Holy Crap, I'm a Vampire. <laughs> Is one of the titles. <laughs> uh, Crucifixed was one. Uh, what was the other one? It was actually kind of funny too. Uh, so you can't look at the cross that you're praying. To. I know. Yeah, it's it's got it's got difficulties. Um, wow, I'm laughing. That that wouldn't be a funny thing. 
I know. It wouldn't be funny, but I mean, it makes for a funny story. Yeah. So, well, um, forgive I me, Father, for I've sucked. <laughs> I don't know. Christian vampires. Uh, oh, yeah. They, you know, spend all day just waiting, just waiting, waiting, waiting for the cup of blood to pass around. <laughs> and then Hold the body. I'll just take the blood. And they're sad it's just wine. No, through oh. the magic transmutation, it would be blood. Well, yeah, but it doesn't taste like blood. It still tastes like wine. Maybe them it does. Oh. Maybe. Oh. Oh. Ooh, so interesting. Trans. So, uh, what's the what's the word? It's trans transmutation, isn't it? No, it's not transmutation. <laughs> transconfiguration, I think, something like that. I don't know. I said it, didn't I? No, you said transmutation. Oh, okay. <laughs> but here's an idea. So, the, so the vampire, he goes to mass. How I, could he go in there? Well, we were discussing that too. I don't know. I, but if, I would, if, if he could take communion, maybe, maybe through the power of God, he becomes a wine elf instead of a vampire. So he's a vampire that has to drink wine instead of blood. You know, uh, it's times like these. I'm glad we're separated because when that lightning bolt hits, <laughs> you'll be podcasting alone. I will. It'll be like, <laughs> well, we lost Jerry, and oh, he had a fast death in the afternoon. <laughs> no, but I think that has so much potential to be such a great, uh, a great short story. I, I went looking through Amazon.com, and there is, I could find nothing about a, a, a Christian vampire. There are Christian vampire stories, but it's not about the vampire being a Christian. It's about Christians versus vampires? Yeah. Well, see, that's blah, 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 blah. I mean, that's yeah, that's yeah. the easy one. The 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 real serious conflict. Now, now, Tracy, she wants me to write it. And I'm like, yeah, I don't write vampire stories. Well, this could be your first. No... By the time I, okay, all the writers out there who write vampire novels, they, they would kill me if I wrote a vampire novel because the moment I write one, it's going to go out of fashion. Well, uh, it's just the way it works for me. Then I would, I would single-handedly thank you for the demise of the Twilight series. Uh, Well, Well, there you go. Yeah. So the the mantle has been thrown. Uh, if any of you want to pick it up, maybe we should have a writing contest. Nah, probably not. <laughs> it would go for as good as our giveaways. Yeah, our contests don't work very nobody, well. Nobody wants our stuff. They just want to listen to us. Well, if if anybody else has some ideas and they want to phone them in. Oh, there you go. What is our, Jerry, what is our uh, call-in number? Our call-in number, which has not been used for three episodes now, is... Dear future people, as of September... 2019, the number to call us and leave a voicemail has been updated to 203-450-6375. That is 203-450-6375. That is my personal Google voice number. And I understand if you're driving and listening to this, you probably don't want to call in. Oh, so anyway, we've done our shout outs. Um, We talked about Christian vampires. We've talked about absinthe. We've talked about uh, Las Vegas. We've talked about poetry. I I think that uh, we've covered all our bases for this week. I think we're done. Okay. All right. 
All right. Okay. I'll let you I go. I think we've uh, I think we've uh, covered um, everything. <laughs> so any any words of wisdom? Anything you need to plug before we uh, turn it off? Um, man, I can't think of anything right off the bat. Um, other than uh, I'm excited uh, for the last half of this year. Oh yeah. I think there's going to be some exciting things going on. Like what? Oh, I don't know. I was hoping you would have something exciting going on. Well, there is. There's lots of exciting things. And tune in next week, and we'll tell you all about them. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> was that too cheesy? Uh, yeah, pretty was. It was very fast. It kind of caught me off guard. I was sitting there going, okay, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, everybody. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this retro episode of uh, The Green Hour with Dan and Jerry, formerly known as uh, Slow Death in the Afternoon Podcast. I also want to give a heartfelt thanks to everybody who's been giving us high ratings on the podcast services. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's like our only applause that we get. Uh, as a reminder to our absent-minded friends, you could give us a call and leave us a message at 203 203- Four five zero six three seven five. That number again is 203-450-6375. You could also text message us there, which seems to be the way that people would rather actually interact with us. So send it on in. It's a it's a Google Voice number. We get it. We you know it's Dan and I reads them. Dan and I reads them. Okay, you could tell I'm on my fourth view Pontelier by now. Anyway, uh, one more time, number again, 203-450-6375. Or you can use the Anchor.fm app to voice mention uh, directly. I can speak, really. Nobody's ever done that, but it can be done. Uh, you could use do that too via their website at anchor.fm slash slow or whatever it is. The link is on absinthepodcast.com. Anyway, uh, as long as you're not using the Apple Safari browser, you could send us voice messages that way through their website or ours, whatever. Also, remember to visit our webpage at absinthepodcast.com. I just hit the microphone with my finger. I'm sure, I hope that wasn't really loud. Anyway, uh, visit our webpage at absinthepodcast.com and or follow us on social media, the links to which you could find on that website. Thanks again for listening and remember to stay absinthe-minded. Sante. Hey, Jerry here. Since we don't have an official sponsor for this episode, I thought I'd throw this in instead. But first, let me set the appropriate mood. It was a dark and stormy night, and there I was, up in a treehouse, banging away at an old manual typewriter. Do you have any idea how hard it is to type on a manual typewriter up in a tree while it's raining? 
Oh, and did I mention the lightning? But there I was, typing away, while ravens circled around in the air, swooping down through the torrent and trying to snatch the wet pages right out of the typewriter. But I wouldn't let them. I fought them off. Get away from me, you bloody birds! Why? Because it was important. I had a story to tell. And while the typewriter didn't survive, the stories did. And you can read them in the safe, tranquil, storm-free dryness of your giant mansion on either a Kindle, a Kindle app on the device of your choice, or from the words imprinted on the remains of a long dead tree. Don't worry, the tree didn't feel any pain, as far as we know. The one I'm going to recommend to you, mainly because it has absinthe in it, is the novel All You See Is Light. There's three others in the series, and there's also a book of short stories. And if you're into true stories, there's one called All This in a Bucket of Toads. That one also has Dan in it. Yeah, I dug up a lot of dirt in that one. And toads. Don't worry, it won't give you warts, but you can find all of these on my personal website, cherryjdavis.com books. I'm sure you'll enjoy them. If you don't, they make perfect re-gifts, saving you money, and you can claim you know me. I'll vouch for you totally. And if you're just not into books and you don't like to read, you can still pretend you do and go and give my books a good review on Amazon. Hey, there's as much karma in that as there is in just reading the book. It's a win-win. Meanwhile, I'll be up here in this tree writing the next book while I drink absinthe. Ouch! Ow! Curse you, Alfred Hitchcock! <laughs> <laughs>